Welcome back to The Safety Net, the official podcast of the Salvation Army's Greater New York Division. The holidays are one of the busiest times of year for the Salvation Army. You see the kettles all over the place, you hear the bells. They're synonymous with Christmas time, especially around New York City. The money collected in those red buckets helped to support the Salvation Army's work all year round, right in the local community. But Christmas time isn't just an opportunity to provide holiday meals, coats, toys for kids. For the Salvation Army, which was founded by Methodist ministers and based on biblical principles, it's the time of year where they spread the good news that Jesus Christ has been born. It's that feeling of hope that the Salvation Army shares with all the people they serve. Today, we're joined by Major Marcus Jugenheimer, who, along with his wife, Joy, have been pastors and administrators with the Salvation Army for almost 30 years. He currently serves as General Secretary, or Chief Operating Officer, with the Greater New York Branch of the Salvation Army. Please reflect as he encourages us to shine our light and be a beacon of hope to others this Christmas season. On August 5th, 2010, 33 copper miners descended into the ground working for the San Esteban Mining Company in Chile. Just five hours into their shift, there was a massive cave-in that left the 33 men trapped 2,300 feet below the surface in a cramped emergency shelter. For 16 days, these men were trapped in utter darkness. As the early days of their ordeal passed, their food supply ran out, and subsequently, their hope ran out. They could hear the numerous attempts to drill through the depth of hard rock above them fall short one after another. At the lowest point of their collective despair, there was talk of ending their suffering by turning on a gas generator and allowing the carbon monoxide fumes to relieve them of their seemingly hopeless existence. Then on August 22, 2010, it happened. A drill bit broke through the surface of the shelter where the men took refuge. A faint light entered the shelter. A faint light entered their experience. But at that moment, it could have been the brightest spotlight in the world because it brought with it hope. For those Chilean miners, that first glimmer of light elicited praise to God because it represented a greater purpose, a long-awaited rescue, a hope of reaching their home above. Light has long been associated with hope and rescue, especially in the Judeo-Christian tradition. The prophet Isaiah prophesied of the anticipated coming of the Messiah as recorded in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. In Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6, the prophet further addresses the mission of the Messiah, noting, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, 
and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Just like those Chilean miners, all the inhabitants of the earth have been and are in need of rescue. And just like it was for those miners, the hope of rescue resides in light from above. I vividly remember the first day of a theology course I was taking at Wheaton College, in which the class started with a challenge to answer the question, what is the gospel? Many of my classmates and I offered extensive and complicated definitions of gospel. Then one of my classmates, the last one to speak, offered a simple yet profound definition based on John chapter 1. He simply answered, gospel is light overcoming darkness. Jesus, Emmanuel, is the light of the world that overcomes the darkness of the world. I want us to take a few minutes to look into that light in light of today's selected scripture passage found in the opening chapter of the Gospel according to John. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the Word of the Lord. While Matthew and Luke introduced the good news of Jesus Christ with genealogies demonstrating the lineage of Christ and nativity accounts that detail those things that led to the incarnation of Jesus Christ, John begins much like the book of Genesis in the beginning. And as creation was initiated through word and light, the incarnation was actualized by word and the light, Jesus Emmanuel, the Messiah. First, we see that Jesus, Emmanuel, is eternal light. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 
Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Apostle Paul puts it like this in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. It is important during this Advent season, when we turn our thoughts to incarnation, to Jesus being born in a manger and becoming truly and properly human, it is important for us to remember that this was not Jesus' grand entrance into the human story. No, through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus has been intimately engaged with the human story from even before there was a human story. But during Advent, we remember and celebrate that Jesus became incarnationally engaged with the human story. There is no earthly illustration that can appropriately capture the incarnation as it is a singular event that defies our comprehension. Similarly, there is no earthly illustration that can appropriately capture the incarnation as it is a singular event that defies our comprehension. Similarly, there is no earthly example that can adequately explain eternity as our finite minds are incapable of understanding the infinite nature of God. So the intersection of eternity and incarnation is exponentially more incomprehensible. Yet we know that love resides at that intersection, that love owns all four corners of the intersection of eternity and incarnation. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Eternal Creator, God Almighty, motivated by love, entered into his creation to rescue humanity from sin and selfishness, from death and damnation. Praise be to God. Jesus Emmanuel is not only eternal light, but he is also universal light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right 
to become children of God. The prophet Isaiah, in speaking of Jesus, the servant of God, writes, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Friends, that is the whosoever that Jesus refers to in John 3.16. Jesus, Emmanuel, the light of the world, would be a beacon to all people, alerting all to the availability of God's love and salvation. During this Advent season, we need to be reminded that we are part of God's plan of sharing that light and shining that light into dark places. To borrow a phrase from our now late 41st president, George H.W. Bush, we are called by Christ to be those thousand points of light. Eighteen years ago, my wife Joy and I became camp directors at the Salvation Army's beautiful Camp Tecumseh in northwest New Jersey. During one of our summers at the camp, Joy had the great idea to focus one of the weeks, the last week of the summer, as a creative ministry week for those children who attended Salvation Army congregations around the state of New Jersey. It was amazing. The campers engaged in clubs that encouraged and equipped them to shine their light for Christ. The theme for the week was based on the old traditional song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. On the last night of the camp session, we had a full camp campfire for the evening program. And at the end of that program, in which the young campers were encouraged to take their lights into the world, I had arranged for every light on camp to be turned off. The only light was that which emanated from the campfire. Every camper and every staff member was provided a glow stick. And upon instruction, they activated their glow stick just before dis- dispersing from the campfire circle to return to their cabins. It was such a beautiful and powerful image as we watched the light activate and spread across the acres of the camp. It was a visual reminder of the vocation of the church to advance light into darkness, to shine the light of Christ to those of our generations who are walking in darkness, to attract them to and guide them to the light that will transform their lives. Jesus, Emmanuel, is eternal light. Jesus, Emmanuel, is universal light. And Jesus, Emmanuel, is also spiritual light. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The account of creation in Genesis chapter 1 and the account of the incarnation in John chapter 1 both begin with the phrase, in the beginning, and then both proceed to tell of light piercing the darkness. In Genesis chapter 1, we read of natural light overcoming natural darkness. In John chapter 1, we read of spiritual light overcoming spiritual darkness. During this Advent season, we need to be reminded that the struggle 
between light and darkness in the spiritual realm is very real. For those of us who know Christ, we can relate to the words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. We recognize the dark places of our past, and we remember how the light of Christ entered into our existence, entered into our experience. I love that Paul does not simply say that we are in the light, illuminated and influenced by light, but that we are light. We take on the nature and character of the source of light, that is Jesus. And we take upon us the vocation of the nation of Israel and of Christ himself in being that light to the nations. One more camp story. Joy and I supervised a wonderful camp staff comprised of young adults and teenagers from around the state of New Jersey and young adults from around the world. The staff would work hard all day, caring for and providing exciting outdoor programming for the campers. And when night came, and when the campers were all sleeping peacefully in their bunk, for those staff that were not on cabin duty, it was now time for them to have a little fun. One of the most popular nighttime activities was playing basketball under the bright lights on the outdoor basketball court. It was tradition that the the junior staff guys would challenge the senior staff guys a few times during the summer. It was usually a lost cause. The young teenagers were usually not big enough, strong enough, or skilled enough to defeat their college-age opponents. And to add to this, the camp director usually played with the senior staff members. I decided to take a different approach. I joined the junior staff team, figuring that the addition of a 30-something asthmatic with a bum knee would be exactly what was needed to make a difference in the outcome of the games. And that summer, we had a realistic chance to upset the senior staffers, not because of me, but because we had a 16-year-old beast of an athlete named Darrell. Well, most of the summer had passed, and while there were some close games, the senior staff was still undefeated. And then one night, near the end of the summer, the game was going great for our team. Darrell was having the game of his young life. Other teens were contributing well, and I was not holding them back too much. We had the lead, and it was game point. Darrell drove the lane. The defense collapsed around him, expecting him to take the game-winning shot. But he passed the ball. He passed the ball out to a teammate who had a wide-open jump shot. That teammate was me. The shot was easily within my range. I had the opportunity to be the hero of the game. But as the ball was coming towards me and I looked in the direction of the pass, the lights, the bright lights obscured my vision. And as I stood there, poised, ready to receive the pass, it went right past me and out of bounds. I am pleased to say that we won the game on the next trip down the court But after the game, Darrell asked me what had happened, and all I could say was I lost the ball in the light. For 18 years now, 
It seems every time I see my friend Darrell, he has a joke about something being lost in the light. Well, it is my hope. It is my prayer for you, for me, for all the inhabitants of the earth, that we will all get lost in the light of Christ this Christmas season. The past few years have been dark years. As humanity collectively walked through the valley of the shadow of death due to the global COVID pandemic, an increase in social unrest, political polarization, and a general and growing deficiency of grace and compassion in our society have led to discouragement, despair, and depression. Add to these war, domestic gun violence, inflation, an ever-increasing wealth gap, natural disasters, and so many other matters of bad news, it is obvious that darkness still maintains a strong foothold in this world. Billions continue to walk in darkness, and even many of those who are seeking light have lost hope. In my work with the Salvation Army, I too often see the overwhelming impact of the cascading consequences of poverty and injustice that leaves people feeling hopeless. Many of them possess a faith that is sincere but is barely holding on because the darkness of this world is constantly knocking at the door. If you can relate to any of these descriptions, I want to remind you of that light that pierced the darkness of a shelter 2,300 feet under the surface of the earth. Those Chilean miners were not rescued from their situation immediately. In fact, they were underground for 52 more days. And then on October 13, 2010, the Chilean miners, one at a time, were finally rescued from their ordeal as they ascended to the surface. But for those 52 days between first light and the embrace of loved ones, they were sustained by the knowledge that they were loved and that there is a rescue mission in place. Jesus, the light of the world, came as the babe of Bethlehem to conduct the greatest rescue mission this world has ever known. Jesus taught us how to love and showed us how to love. He demonstrated his love by offering his life as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. He demonstrated his power by resurrecting back to life and gaining victory over the power of death. Friends, that is the good news. That is the gospel. Yet this does not mean that we will be rescued out of the temporal trials and tribulations in this life. And this does not mean that we will not have to walk through dark places as we await the second coming of Christ in the fullness of the glory of God. I'm reminded of the encouraging words written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, recorded in Romans 8, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Friends, we are called to shine our lights to live our lives in a way that is so countercultural that others will take notice. And I pray that with God's strength, we can do that this Advent season. Please pray with me. Gracious Almighty God, we approach your throne this day in humble adoration, acknowledging you as the Christ, as the Messiah, as the light 
of the world. We recognize you as Christus Victor, the one who rescued us from sin and death, and we pray that you will guide us, that we might guide others into your light this Christmas season. Amen. God bless you and shine on.